Hello, it's Josephine Lankuba here, your performing arts business strategist and coach. Today, I have a special guest who is a fellow studio owner, and honestly, she is on fire. She has so many beautiful moving pieces that you are going to learn about. I am talking about Rebecca Lubrennan. Rebecca is the proud owner of over 16 years to her studio performance art Western Sydney, aka Pause. She's also the owner of Dance Cirque, which is a licensed program that's in 99 studios at the moment and growing, including moving from Australia to the US. Uh, we're going to learn about that as well. Uh, she's also seen her studio explode. She received 180 new students in her, you know, preschool program in just a short period of four years. She now has a 600 student studio. Um, aside from that, she's got lots of moving pieces. But she doesn't seem phased. She's dedicated to commitment and she talks about how she stays on top of everything, motivated and is on fire for growth. So never shy of a new adventure. She's also going to talk about Dance Principles United and what that means to her and the legacy she leaves behind. Gosh, so many things. <laughs> You're going to hear all about it with Rebecca. Let's leap in. Hey there, I'm Josephine Lankuba and you're listening to Business Arts and All That Jazz. I've been immersed in the creative business world and performing arts industry for over 20 years. I know from experience that being an artist, a creative or running a creative business can be a tough gig, but I'm here to tell you it's possible. I went from having zero dollars to my name and living below the poverty line to then living paycheck to paycheck, to finally living a life of comfort, happiness, passion, and even stability. In this podcast, I peel back the curtain and share with you the ups and downs of my journey. Plus, I tap into the minds of creative industry experts to discover their paths to success. I know you have a spark inside of you, that little voice that tells you to reach for the stars. I want to help you step into your limelight to have the courage to live a life you dream of, a life that you design. So get ready to be entertained and inspired as we talk business, arts, and all that jazz. Hello and welcome to the beautiful Rebecca Lou Brennan. I'm so excited to have you on the show. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Pleasure. Now, we actually met at the Women Online Conference um, hosted by Tina Tower. I think that was only about a month ago. I mean, funnily enough, it was an event all about online business, which you're going to talk about a little bit later in the piece. But um, it was an in-person event, which was so special, wasn't it, it? It was so great. And there were actually so many studio owners there. Like there was a lot of us there, which is um, amazing to see that studio owners want to grow and, you know, get better and go to events like that. I loved it. Yes. And get into the digital space because mm. the industry is evolving so much, isn't it? Especially since COVID. So. Absolutely. So important. Yeah. So important. Now, you've been running your studio for a very long time, over 16 years, in fact. So that's pause. And um, tell me how you came about wanting to even start a studio business. So I'm now, yes, I'm bringing you back 16 years. <laughs> what got you into studio ownership? I think like everyone, I had an amazing journey of dance and I wanted to bring that journey to other 
people, other kids. Um, and so I was passionate about it. And that, that literally was it. I was a good teacher. I was doing really well with my teaching and I just wanted to open a studio. And I was actually teaching at a studio and the owner said to me, I want to sell. So I bought her studio um, mm. and started it from there essentially i think we started with about 70 kids um and we've grown to about 600 kids now so it's it's really huge now but yeah i think that's the problem though with some studio owners is we go into it without knowing anything about business that was definitely my problem Mm, yeah yeah and that's interesting that you bought it from someone else um what was that experience like because there's i mean it's amazing because you step into having a client base but there's also challenges potentially with claiming it as your own. How how was that at the time? Yeah. Look, I'm going to be honest, we didn't really um, approach that too well, to be honest with you. So I was teaching full-time there. So all the parents and kids already knew me. So that was really easy changeover. But as soon as we stepped in, we changed the name and we changed everything about it and the branding and everything. And a lot of people hated that because they'd been there for a long time and they felt that that was really important to them. So that was a bit of a blow up. Um, But other than that, because I'd been teaching there full-time, I think it was pretty easy. Yeah. Okay. Amazing. Now we see a lot of dance studios come and go and um, what is it like having to, you know, run a studio for over 16 years? You know, do, do you think that the industry's really changed a lot and, and getting into, you know, the way it was before versus how it is today? Like what are you seeing is the major shift? I think Oh, well, I think that just progression is the major shift. And I think, you know, as a studio owner, you've just got to constantly update. And like we were just saying, get into the online space because that's where it's at now. Get into social media because that's where it's at now. Everything's now straight in front of you on a phone. And that's Mm. the biggest shift, I think. Um, And, you know, seeing those dancers consistently in front of your face on social media has definitely changed the way we do everything. And I think that's you've just got to keep going with the changes. When Zoom happened, when COVID happened, Happened. we all had to adapt that's life I think that's the secret yeah. to having a studio long term is just to consistently adapt yeah and it's crazy because um a lot of those videos come up on your social media of what you were posting two years ago and it was this time two years ago that COVID all started so all of those videos of us like filming at home with the bunny rabbit hello little ones and all the stuff that we did I mean it's just insane but it it's a testament to how far we've come and, and so many students, unfortunately, they didn't survive that period or just chose to exit because they mm. didn't want to shift. Mm. But those ones that have stayed on, I think, have learned so much. So, yeah, it's it's been wild. And I love that you mentioned social media as well because that's a really big component these days. It has to be. And you've got to be constantly updating on there, constantly marketing on there. There's no day of the week that I'm not marketing on social media ever. Yeah. And I think that's so important for us to realise we've got this amazing platform now that we can consistently reach out to our ideal clients. Do you outsource that sort of activity or is it something that you take on yourself? Definitely not. I'm a big believer in delegating everything that you are not an expert in to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have an agency that I work with with all my businesses and they're amazing. Um, and, yeah, they do everything for me. But, look, if you're great at that, go for it. But it's just not my jam. Yeah, yeah, it's not my jam either. Yeah. I only 
<laughs> no way. I have a digital marketing company that does it for me um, for the paid advertising. And then when it comes to the actual, just the, the organic stuff, weekly, daily stuff, um, I have an admin assistant who posts daily for us. But um, the only time I actually do post for myself is my personal brand. So anything that's Josephine Lane Cuba, I do myself just because, you know, that's my voice. Yeah. But yeah, no, I love that. Delegation is the queen of all things. <laughs> How do you stay motivated? You say you've got all of these different things. So from what I know, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, I know you've got pause. Yep. You've got the Cirque. Oh, my gosh, I've got it here. Dance Cirque, yep. Dance Cirque. Yep. And you've also got Dance Principles United. So that's, there's a lot there. There's a lot. That, how, do you, how do you maintain that? How do you juggle that? What's Great. that like in your world? What does a day of Rebecca look like? Oh, look, my days are insane. They're very scheduled. But the thing is I'm constantly having meetings telling other people to do stuff and I've got great teams. So it's not me doing, it's me overseeing and I think that's the key to it you know my pause team are incredible um they're there now working um and I'm at home and you know my DPU team Amanda and Nathan are amazing and we are doing a lot of the stuff ourselves but we really plan it well and then dance circ I've got a whole team for that as well and I think that's the key you can't grow your business if you're constantly working in it it's not possible yeah now aside from that you've also got a performance company attached to your studio what does that look like and how does that work? Look, it's been very quiet for the last two years. Um, but the reason that came about is because for my concerts, I do a whole musical story through the concert. So we had all these costumes. So we did Peter Pan, for example, and we had mm. all these costumes for Peter Pan. And then I was like, why don't we put these out there as a pantomime? So I found a company who wanted to do that for me um, and we just started putting together these little pantomimes and we'd have professional singers and a professional narrator and my kids would do all the dancing and stuff and it just became a whole thing. So every year when we did a new show, we had a new pantomime. Um, so we've got about seven or eight pantomimes with all of those costumes and things. And then through that world, you sort of start to make other contacts. Um, we do like an Easter bunny kind of stuff with eight, with um, Alice um, so we do all that Christmassy stuff as well, pantomimes and parades. Uh, we just did a gig for Coca-Cola, which was our first gig back, which was so exciting. Look, I think if you want to grow an entertainment company as a party school, it's, it's super easy. You can do it. It's all about building relationships. As soon as you go to something, you've got to talk to people, you know, let them know what you do, see what they do, and then go from there essentially. But yeah, we love it. Um, it's really good for our older kids who are just about to graduate and just about to go on to professional careers because they get that performance experience um our circus stuff does really well with that as well so okay. well, now that everything's back we're getting there but it's been a while like i said is it in a is it semi-professional like are the leads paid or is it just like the kids are volunteers as a part of your studio and they and you take it on as like an educational experience and training them in the professional space yeah, great question. So leads are paid, definitely. If we yeah. get a paid gig like Coca-Cola, all of our seniors were paid for that gig. Um, That's but great. Generally in the pantomime, the little ones are not paid, like the, yeah. you know, little babies, but 
they know that they then grow up and they become the princess who gets paid. So that's the cool part about it. You know, like in Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, one of the kids who was my dwarf then became Snow White. So they see that progression and then they do get paid for it when they're at that age. Yeah, I love that. I love that you're introducing them into that professional world step by step. So that's that's really cool and inspiring for the little, little ones as well. Um, now, when I met you at the conference, you did just throw away a couple of names there and I'm going to bring them up. Um, I met a lovely lady by the name of Amanda Barr and she said that you guys were business partners. And I thought that was interesting because you guys have different studios and programs and things running, but you come together on a cohesive brand, which is Dance Principle, Dance Principles United. So if everyone listening, tell us about that and how that came about. Yeah, sure. Um, Dance Principles United actually came about because of COVID. So when COVID hit, I literally cried for a week and mm. I went to my doctor and I said, I, I can't stop crying. You need to help me. And she gave me antidepressants and I took one and I hated it. And then I was like, right, I need to change my life around. So I decided to open Dance Principles United and just get help essentially and talk to other studio owners on there because I knew the only people who knew how I was feeling was other studio owners. So that's literally why I started it. I also was on the forefront of Zoom. My partner was really into China and what was happening there. So I knew this was going to happen over here. So I'd already organized Zoom. So I started doing lives on Dance Principles United saying to everyone, hey, this is how I'm doing Zoom. How are you doing it? How can I help you? That's literally how that grew. Amanda and I met um, at business conferences and we loved learning about how to build our studios. And so when Dance Principles United became so big, I said to her and Nathan, why don't we help other studio owners be to become big, to, to have the studio of their dreams? And that's how it started. So all thanks to COVID really at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, that's it. That's the story of it. So it started as like a volunteer project, which then eventuated. And uh, now you're running like paid live events where studio owners can actually come in, be educated, build a community. Um, so it's really evolved from that first inception of just reaching out, hasn't it? Yeah, totally. So we started with doing a summit, um, which was just a one day come in and we'll talk to you. And we were having dinner the night before at the summit. And I said to Amanda and Nathan, why don't we do a closed Facebook group where these guys can learn this stuff every fortnight, they can ask questions. And so that's what we started. Literally, Is it from a membership program or yeah. how does it work? Yeah, so they pay um, a weekly membership and they're on this closed Facebook group, but they also get access to a portal and the portal has absolutely every single tutorial that we've ever done on there. So Nathan will do Facebook Ads 101 and you can opt into that and learn how to do your own Facebook Ads. So everything's there for them all the time, but it's also a great community where they can say, hey, this is my marketing, what do you think? Hey, this is what I'm doing or, yeah, it's, okay. it's yeah, amazing. But we've had it for a year now. We love it. Speaking of having it for a year, you've also had Dance Cirque for a year as well. Yes. So Dance Cirque is totally different. This is, you, you say it in your own words, from what I gather, though, it's a circus program that is licensed to studio owners. Is that correct? Correct. So again, back in COVID time, I said to my <laughs> friend, I was walking with her and I said, I really want to help these studio owners. I need something where they can make extra revenue in their studio when COVID comes back. And she was like, well, circus, circus is the thing that in your school, it's so different from everyone else. 
why don't you just sell that program? So then I was like, okay. So I put it all together. <laughs> sure. Why yeah. not? Let's why just not? do more stuff. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I, um, I'll be honest with you, the first thing I did, and we've run the program in my school for 17 years, so I knew it worked. But the first thing I did was just put an ad out, would people be interested, and, and booked interviews in. And I think I got like 20 interviews in a day. And then I was like, oh, this is a whole thing. So then we ran and started developing the program. Um, so we have, yeah, 99 schools worldwide. I I just signed seven US schools, which is very exciting Yay. to me. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, yes. And yeah, so that's a on selling other programs now. Now we've developed a flexibility and an acro program as well through that. So like I said, I've got great teams um, who are very enthusiastic, but I think having that extra revenue in your studio really helps. That is amazing. Well done. I mean, did you pitch things? Did you market it out to the US or that just came to you? Um, like, was it yeah. an intentional thing to be international at, at this early inception or was it something that happened organically? Um, I've got a lot of friends in the US who are studio owners, so I've been chatting to them anyway. Um, I did put some marketing into it and it didn't really get much traction, but then mm. I found someone who was selling another program and I had a Zoom meeting with her about her program and then I said, hey, can I tell you about my program now? Maybe we can help each other out. So it's all about building relationships. So now she's my US affiliate and she's the one who is helping over there by chatting to people and because it's very hard with the US timing um so she's chatting to everyone over there so i've got a webinar at 6 a.m tomorrow morning because it's 1 p.m their time um and we've got about eight studios opting into that and i'll tell them all about dance circ and then off they go so that is amazing well done i mean is there any challenges you're facing breaking into an international market is is it different does the information have to be adjusted like how do you manage that communication and that sort of business aspect of of branching out Yes, so different. Um, We can't supply their equipment to them. So in Australia, we supplied their equipment, but we can't do that in the US because it's a whole thing over there. They've got to get their own equipment. Um, It's also that I'm known in Australia, you know, because Mm. of Dance Principles United and because I've been in the industry for so long, everyone sort of knows me. So it was easy for me to create that market here. I'm not known over there. So they're not going to they're not going to buy from me because there's no relationship there. That's why bringing the affiliate in was the key. She's a part of a really big studio owners group. So now she's marketing to her friends who trust her. And I think that's the hardest part about any market overseas is you've got to be trusted in their market and that takes time or it takes finding someone who's already trusted. Yeah, that's amazing. I love that. I mean, look, you've obviously got lots of moving parts here. Um, and I and I can totally respect and understand that. I I'm I'm sort of the same. Well, not sort of, I am the same. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> totally. I have a lot of moving parts. And you know, I've got my talent agency, I've got my musical makers club, I've then got my personal brand and my private coaching and all the things. All the um, things. But I'm I love hearing how others manage that. Like, how do you manage that in your world you talked about delegation but from a personal perspective I mean you're a mum as well yep so so how how do you make that work in your in your life yeah um I think prioritizing the thing at the time so I go to the gym four times a week without fail I will not not go it 
my studio could be burning down and I will be at the gym. Um, so prioritizing that within myself is really important to me. Um, I'm going away this weekend with my family and I will not work. So, you know, I think it's about prioritizing the thing at the time. I'm also extraordinarily organized. So every single Sunday I do three hours of meal prep. And if you see my fridge on a Sunday, there's lunch boxes with every single person's name on it for every time of the day because I don't have time through the week to do that. And that also means that I can get up and go to the gym or go for a morning walk and I'm not food prepping. So things like that are so imperative. And then also when I get home, I can spend time with my kids or in the morning I can spend time with my kids instead of, you know, prepping food. So I have a house cleaner, for example, because I don't want to spend four to six hours a week cleaning my house because I'm buying time. That's how I see my house cleaner. I'm buying time with my family. Oh, totally. I've got a house cleaner too. Once a fortnight. I would love to up it to once a week, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't live without us. She's amazing. I know. And every time they leave, I just go, oh, thank you. Mm. Thank you for cleaners. Thank mm. you so much, universe, because it is like it's a godsend, honestly. Um, I think that's really important too because I think as studio owners, we or business owners in general, women, we put so much pressure on ourselves to get it all right. What you've just described to a lot of people would sound like a lot. So you're talking about the gym, food prep. I mean, this is this is quite what some people might view as a regimented thing. I mean, how does how do you even stay on top of that? I mean, is it just how you're inclined or because I know even myself, like I try to get out and do daily walks and but I'm I'm not hardcore like you in the fitness space I, I really think that's amazing how do you manage that as well is it just something you love I haven't always been like this so I've lost 17 kilos in the last two years wow. and I think what I've learned in the last two years about life is co commitment is key if you don't consistently commit to stuff it's pointless. Like we all do the fad diet and we lose some weight and then we go back and do nothing and then I am just so imperative to myself to be committed every single day to have living the best life and living the best life for me means staying fit and healthy for my kids for everyone and so that means I'm committed to it I mean we came back from um that seminar with Amanda last weekend and I got home at 8 30 at night and I'd been presenting since you know we got there at 7 a.m so I'd been presenting all day and I food prepped at 8.30 at night because I'm committed. It's a commitment. Like you've got to do it. Otherwise, the whole week turns to poo. <laughs> like, yeah, totally. You know? So it's just I think that's what I've learned is to just go, okay, I need to prioritize myself because I got into that really dark space where I, like I said to you, couldn't stop crying. I don't want to go back there. So I had to change the way I was doing things, but I am loving it now. I love that I'm getting stronger. You know, I did a PB on some weights the other day. So I love that side of it too. And I, I don't <laughs> what's, know. A, what's a PB? <laughs> Personal best. So like TV, great. Personal best. You know what I was thinking? <laughs> Peanut butter. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So you know, obviously we're in a little bit different space there in our minds. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um but look, I've got a really great gym that I go to too. So I'm an F45 addict. And what I love about F45 is it's 45 minutes in and out. That yes, for me is which key. You prioritize your time. Right. right. So that's important as well. I love that. I love that. 
So tell me, you know, you talked about um, bringing the dance circ internationally. Um, you've talked about how it's been running for a year, but 17 years in your space. You also mentioned you have like 600 students. Are your students predominantly circus or where does your where does your client base lie within your studio? Like what's really attracting them to you guys, do you think? Um, I think definitely not. We have a huge musical theatre program. We've got a great ballet program. I think what attracts people to our space is that we don't sell dance, we sell confident kids. And I think when we changed that about our school, and it's not like we weren't always teaching that, we were, but we never told everyone about it. And so now we teach confident kids and any client will tell you, any teacher, they all know what we're about. As soon as you walk in, creating confident kids. If you look at any of our posts, it's all about creating confidence. And that was the game changer for me and that's when people started flocking to us because we're selling a feeling instead of selling dance. People don't really care that much about dance. Most of them don't understand it. They just look at dance mums and think it's crazy. You've got to tell them why their child should dance rather than telling them I can create these amazing dances, you know, and we do have a really strong school. We've got about 40 who've gone on to professional careers now, but we're just not, we never promote that as much as we do the confidence side of things. Mm, Yeah. And I think that's, um, I mean, it's a marketing technique, no doubt, but it's also your truth, right? This is about your purpose. Yeah. Exactly. And I think when you can get that out to your community, whatever your purpose might be, you're going to change the way that people look at your school 100%. Because like I said, they don't really care. I didn't go to my little boy's swim school because they were all Olympic swimmers. I went there because people said it was an amazing swim school and the the teachers were really kind and supportive. Yeah, totally. it's it's that's what people want for their kids not everyone's going to become a professional dancer but everyone can be affected in a positive way through dance and performing yeah oh like my son he's only five he starts soccer this afternoon and i'm and i couldn't care less about soccer the reason i'm sending him there is because he's not very good with teamwork or knowing how to work with others so i'm sending him there so he can learn the value of working in a team and how to lose equally to how to win he has to learn these things so it's got nothing to do yeah sport fitness soccer great it's not nothing to do with that really for me it's about the emotional development for my son so I completely connect to that as a parent for sure 100% yeah so look what is a tip that you might have for someone who's new to the space, is looking to start a studio or perhaps is only a couple of years into being a studio owner, what's a tip that you would give them or some advice? Oh, so many things, Joe, that I could talk about it for an hour. I'm going to say, first of all, put systems in place and realise that it's a business, it's not a hobby. I think so many of us go into it thinking that it's because we loved it so much, we we don't see it as a business. And I struggled for so many years where I was making no money um, Mm. and, you know, just doing it for the love of it. And I don't think it should be about that because we work really, really, really hard. My second bit of advice, and I know you said one, but I have to give two. No, go for it. (laughs) Would be don't market to your peers. You know, we all want to put that picture up because the 
kid looks perfect or because look what I've created, this amazing child with this big kicking leg or whatever. Parents don't care about that. Market to your client. Don't worry about what the principal down the road is thinking about your marketing. Worry about what the parent down the road is thinking about your marketing. And that's exactly what I was just saying with creating confident kids. I'll put a kid on there with a bent leg and a feral foot doing a mount because that's important for the clients to see that we don't care so much about that, but we're glad that that child has achieved something on that day and that's the important thing so I think that would be my two top tips I love that and I actually did watch on your studio website your promo video that pops up and I will admit I noticed that I noticed that I saw a combination of kids that weren't the perfect dancers or someone missing the spin but they were having a great time and then versus you know you've seen your kids doing the high kicks and the splits and the leaps and you know and I thought that's cool because there was a variety of energy in what you were selling. And I could, I actually, like as a business owner and, you know, colleague, I, I identified that. So I think that's actually really cool. Now on the flip side of that, what would you get, what sort of advice would you give to someone like yourself that's been in the game for a long time and is on the other side of it? You know, they, they might be losing their momentum or looking to, to reinvigorate themselves. What would you say to someone who's been a studio owner for for over a decade? Yeah, I talk to a lot of studio owners like this um, a lot because they've done it for a long time, a lot longer than me, that's for sure. And they find it really hard as they get older to, to change and adapt, but you have to. The only way to stay fresh is to keep changing and adapting and you've got to learn those ways or put someone in there who's got the enthusiasm to learn the new ways because otherwise it's impossible. But educate yourself, you know, that's the biggest thing that you need to do. Go to conferences, connect with other people. I think sometimes as studio owners we we disconnect from people, especially as we get older, and that never works. You've got to put people around you who are going to inspire you. That's what I love about Dance Principles United. Everyone's inspiring each other all the time. I think that's so important. Um, But yeah, adapt and connect. That would be my two things. Yeah, I think that's really cool what you just said about putting someone in that place if you can't do it. Don't be ashamed of that, right? I think so often we think we have to put all the weight on our own shoulders. But if you've got a, a, you know, a studio that's, that's chugging along and you know you need some like fresh eyes on it, get someone in. I love that. That's such a such a great idea. And I think more people should be doing that if they find themselves in a rut. Absolutely. And look, you've got to spend money to make money. Sometimes you need to get that marketing company in and spend money with them to get numbers in. You can't be doing nothing and then expect people to just come into your doors because I know that's how it potentially used to work but it doesn't work like that anymore. Everyone's just on their phones on social media now. You've got to put that money behind it and get yourself out there. And look, sometimes just one of your younger staff members will be so gun at social media. Like they will love it. They'll love doing the stories, the pictures, everything. So reach out to them. Sometimes they're your biggest asset, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So tell me, Rebecca, who or what inspires you? Oh, so much inspires me. Um, 
had a feeling you might say that. <laughs> I'm I'm a big Gary V fan, and that's a bit controversial, I know. But what I love about him, and my partner and I always fight about this because he's like he's so polarizing. But what I love about him is he's so real, and I really try to be real in life. I try to be honest. I try to have integrity, and I haven't always done that. So it's a it's a really big thing for me to do that now. I think I love his journey. I love business journeys where they've started somewhere like Tina, you know, they've started here and then you see that journey and that story is just so amazing. Um, so I love people like that. Um, and I guess I'm inspired by the people around me because they come up with great ideas themselves. Like I'll give you an example. One of my my person who's developed dance circ with me, Emma, she was a student of mine since she was five years old, right? She came up to me and she was like, I've got a really great idea for a new preschool program. And I was like, no, we are not doing any more programs. My life is crazy as it is. We're not doing any more. She's like, just listen to me. So it's called Tumble Town and the kids go on a different journey through a land. And as they go through the land, they do their different things. So if they go to Australia, the Harbour Bridge will be their bridges. And I was like, damn it, that's really good. Okay, let's develop it. And we developed it. So I think you can get inspiration from just the people around you. You don't always have to look to that higher level. I do. I love listening to podcasts and all of that stuff, but just the people around you can have amazing ideas. And if you can support them and foster that in them, you're going to grow as well. Yeah, that's so cool. Tumbletown, I love that. I also yeah. noticed your little ones had shirts that said monkeys on them. That's Dance Cirque. So Dance Cirque yeah. has little monkeys. I yeah. love that because yeah. circus monkeys. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Rebecca. <laughs> Genius. I saw that. I'm like, oh my God, that is so cute. I would love my kid to be a circus monkey. That yeah. is so cute. <laughs> so, obviously, you've got a lot of creativity going on there. And I love that you're being inspired by your team. Absolutely. Yeah, I definitely can't take credit for all the creativity though, Joe. Like, you know, mm. it's 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 a whole team thing. It's not just one person. And I think that's really input, important to acknowledge. Yeah. How many people are in your team? Pause or I'm, <laughs> there's lots of different teams. Pause, I've got about 30. Um, yeah. Dance Circ, we've got about 10 of us. Um, and then DPU is just the three of us. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's my three teams at the yeah, moment. Yeah, okay, amazing. So you've got lots of support around you. Yeah. Okay, so what's next for Rebecca? What's next for you? Um, I'm very specific with my goals. So I will get a thousand dance circ schools in three years. I don't say I want to because I believe in saying I will. Um, pause is great. It's going really well. It's chugging along and, you know, we keep growing, of course, but we're pretty happy with how that's settling and doing at the moment. Our entertainment company, we want to rebuild it now, obviously. Um, and then DPU, we just want to reach as many studio owners as we can. I, I feel like that's probably the thing that I am really passionate about because we're changing people's lives. It's things like one of the studio owners who's been with us, Dee, used to work a full-time job as well as have the studio. And she was able to quit her full-time job at the beginning of this year to just run the studio. And she said to us, that's because of what we've been helping her with in Dance Principles United. So that for me is you know, changing people's lives like that is huge. Yeah, and that's a beautiful legacy as well, isn't it? I love that so much. Okay, well, now if people want to find out more about you, where should they go? Um, honestly, like just... 
Facebook is probably the best place to contact me. Um, they can go to just my profile, Rebecca Lou Brennan, and inbox me. They can go to Dance Principles United. And especially if you're a studio owner, please come across to Dance Principles United. Uh, that's the free page. I'm actually doing um, a live just after this on preschool and just some tips on preschool. So we're constantly doing lives on there. And I'd love to reach as many people on that as I can. So that would be the best place to go. All right. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. And I think there were some beautiful golden nuggets there that so many people are going to get takeaways from. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Okay. Bye. Take care. Bye. If you enjoyed listening and would like to hear more, be sure to click subscribe. If you're really feeling the love, share us with your friends. To work with me or to simply find out more about the magic of creativity, arts and business, head to my website, josephinelancuba.com. And you can find me on socials. I also have a book that I've co-written with a bunch of amazing entrepreneurial women called The Women Changing the World. And you can grab a copy of that at josephinelancuba.com forward slash books. Thanks for listening.